I want to thank our sponsors, Athletic Greens, who created AG1, one of the most innovative packets of supplements, including 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. These ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I personally started using Athletic Greens and love the way I feel in the morning after I drink it. And I no longer have energy crashes throughout the day. And the best part is that it's delicious. The founder of Athletic Greens created AG1 because he experienced a ton of gut health and ended up on a complicated and expensive supplement routine to recover. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash yasmine. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash yasmine, Y-A-S-M-E-E-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, my name is Yasmine Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Today, I'll be speaking with Carolyn Corey, a futurist, visionary author, and the founder of the Omnia Method. Even though Carolyn completed graduate studies in psychology, most of her knowledge and deeper awareness came through her direct experience, which she talks about in her books and courses. Carolyn's encounter with the worlds of consciousness, energy medicine, and spirituality started at the early age of five when she spontaneously began to perceive various forms of subtle energy, which we'll talk about in the conversation. She could experience and understand more deeply the cosmic roadmap and the structure of consciousness. And because Carolyn's own deeper awareness and consciousness expansion happened mostly through direct experience and beyond the textbooks, the Omnium method of learning and healing is also based on a unique form of experiential methodology. She's also the uh, director and creator of the films Superhuman and A Tear in the Sky, which we'll talk about in the show. So welcome to the show, Caroline. Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So Caroline, what does it mean to connect to source or our higher self? So we originally all are a pure essence. We are energy. And that energy originates from one universal energy, universal consciousness. And so that is, if you will, your um, essence, your original essence before you ever incarnated in this lifetime or any other lifetimes. And so we appear here in human form, we forget about this connection, this original aspect of ourselves, if you will. And of course, nobody tells us about these things in school or or not educated in that way. So we turn to religion or we turn to various ways of reconnecting with our our spiritual self. Um, So for me, I 
experienced that energy, that source energy at a very young age. And I recognized myself as that original essence. And I realized that this is who we really are um, beyond, again, any sort of human-made uh, you know, fabrication of how it should be. You know what I mean? It's, it's really within our DNA. And, uh, and so reconnecting to source is basically reconnecting with who you really are. And once you get there, it's almost like you tap into everything, why you're here, what you have come to do, and your higher purpose. So it's really, really a very significant and important connection. Mm, yes. And what does that kind of feel like to you when you connect with your higher purpose? And how do you kind of um, work with people to help them access that? Yeah, so I realized that um, because it's inside you, you have to think about your human body as having two parts of DNA. You know, you have the human DNA that uh, makes you look a certain way and behave a certain way and does a certain functioning, you know, operates and helps your body operate a certain way. But you also have another part of the DNA that is that pure essence. It's like a divine um, aspect of your being. And so when you are in that state of consciousness, that state of awareness, your entire body, because it is at a DNA level, it's like your entire body feels that you are expanded beyond uh, the human frame, if you will. And so you start to feel that you are part of everything you feel very calm and centered. It's almost like you've found yourself <laughs> and you, you know, and you don't need anything outside of you. It's that lack of need that is absolutely amazing. So it's almost like you feel at your core, um, very at peace with who you are, where you are. And this kind of state of not needing anything makes you want to just be. So you just are. You're, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to say anything or prove anything. <laughs> you know. So it's almost like a time suspension. You're just kind of in that state of unconditional being. And it's absolutely spectacular. Mm, wow. And so, uh, Caroline, what's so interesting is that I'm noticing like as we're talking that there's like a entrainment happening where <laughs> I'm all of a sudden starting to slow down and to drop kind of my energy down and become more grounded. And so I'd love to talk about that, like how people can influence each other's energy and also what this concept of entrainment is. Yeah, exactly. This is a, a very, very important concept. So what happens is that the more you become conscious of this energy, basically your original source, um, which is what I have been practicing my entire life, you become it. It's almost like 
you recognize that as your original signature and it starts to filter through your human aspects. It's like, you know, it's, it's no longer that I'm operating in a third dimensional way and then my physical brain has to stop and go meditate and, you know, kind of get to that state and then operate again. It, you, you see what I mean? It's, it's not outside yourself. You become that energy. And so when you practice doing that and being that, um, everything that you think, say, you're, you do emanates that energy. So, and that's, that's the idea. That's what we have come to do. We have come to operate at a very high, uh, pure vibrational frequency through this physical apparatus, which is the human body, the human brain. So as I'm talking, I'm not just repeating somebody else's text or from memory or, you know what I mean? I'm literally expressing the experience that I have myself on a cellular level. And if you're sensitive enough, you will feel that energy. You will, you will, and that's how you actually can tell somebody who's telling the truth versus somebody who's not. If you, if you're very <laughs> sensitive, you, you can tell if somebody is repeating somebody else's work or so, you know, um, which is okay. I mean, in the sense of grabbing that information to bring it to other people, that's totally fine. But ultimately, you are basically expressing who you are through everything that you think, say, or do. And uh, and when people feel it, then hopefully, like what you're saying, hopefully that allows you to then start to find that aspect of you within you. That's the idea. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And I can definitely feel, you know, your energy and um, it's palpable. And I'm curious, uh, Caroline, uh, when people may have, I wouldn't call it negative energy, but maybe more anxious or fear-based energy, how does that impact others around them? Like what happens in a room where there's all these kind of mixed um, energetic frequencies? Yeah, I mean, this happens all the time. This is pretty much the way we're living on this earth, you know, because everybody's vibrating at that whatever rate they, you know, they they are. So if they're anxious, if they're angry, if, you know, something's going on, they are literally emanating that vibration. So uh, when you walk into a room and everybody's emanating a lower frequency and you are relatively sensitive, you're going to feel that. And so uh, even if you don't, I mean, most people, I mean, you hear just the average person, whether they're sensitive or not, they would say, I don't know, there's like a weird vibe in this room, <laughs> you know, and it's true. So because your energy field is um, basically getting entangled uh, with their energy field. And so, and the energy is being transferred in, in this kind of subliminal way, if you will, um, and so we don't see that with our eyes. We don't see the energy being transferred from me to you or you to me or, um, or somebody else in the room. So most people don't, don't think it actually exists in the mainstream anyway, but there is an electrical and electromagnetic exchange of energy happening all the time, all the time. And so 
that's why, you know, to navigate through this 3D reality, you have to have a certain protocol. I mean, I call it energetic hygiene, you know, just like you brush your teeth, um, you know, you take a shower to wash off whatever physical, you know, uh, energy you don't need, um, or that's polluting your space or what have you, uh, energetically too, you have, you have come across other people's energies when you go into a store or whatever, or a restaurant or what have you, and then you have to cleanse it. You have to, with your intention, imagine that all this uh, magnetic energy that is, that got transferred um, subconscious without you knowing uh, is now in your field. And mm -hmm. so that's the reason why I, I created the meditation connecting to source. So, you know, it's just to kind of help people um, have that very simple daily routine. It's only a seven minute uh, meditation that allows you to align your brain channels with the source, basically, kind of like your, it's not just a intention, but through the intention, you are really asking to realign with that original essence bypass all the human, you know, fears and lower vibration. And as you bring that energy through you, you're kind of washing off, you're washing away whatever you may have accumulated um, during the day. So, um, so that's kind of how you can stay sane, you know, <laughs> and keep your energy field uh, pure and aligned. So, uh, Caroline, can you walk us through, like, what does that intention look like um, if we were to kind of remove other people's energy or kind of remove ourselves from entanglements with, let's say, work or other people? What would you say to yourself? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that meditation is actually free of charge on my website. Anybody can go and do it, like, just you know, uh, so that you can just go through the process. But in general, um, I would say when you first wake up in the morning, you know, you want to set that intention. Even I've been doing this my whole life and I still do that. You know, it's, it's an important habit. Uh, again, just think about it as hygiene. And so when you first open Open your eyes in the morning. Notice how you feel. Do you feel off or anxious? Or because trust me, you're going to have those feelings. And so, so you want to start by just through the intention. You can say, "I ask and intend to connect my energy to the source and to bring the source energy through me to let go of all the lower vibration." all the lower frequencies that are not in my highest good. And you visualize that you are bringing that source energy through you, just like a light, and that it's going through your body and washing off everything. And then you focus on your heart, and then you want to set the intention for the day. It's very simple. You could still be lying in your bed. I So focusing on the heart, from the heart, you say, I ask and intend to bring the source energy through me, through all that I think, say, or do today. Keep me in alignment with my higher purpose, with this higher alignment, and protect my energy 
from any distracting information or energy. And so it is. And so you go about your day. So now you have centered yourself properly, you aligned yourself, but you also set the intention for the day to stay in this alignment. And then at the end of the day, even though you have done that, I mean, the more you do it, the easier it gets. But sometimes you're traveling and you're some in some weird space and, you know, at the end of the day, same thing. It's very, very simple. Just before you close your eyes, just in five minutes, you say the same thing. I ask to align my energy with the source and to wash off anything that may have accumulated without my feeling or knowledge and I'm asking to wash off, wash away. And then you visualize it happening, you see. And then you intend one more time, I ask to keep my energy protected at night because, you know, that's a whole different conversation because all sorts of invasive things could happen at night. So you intend before going to sleep that you will have a protective, you're protecting your energy field and you will have a restful and also to regenerate, to re, um, yeah, to, to, to replenish, if you will, your, the, the life force, uh, in you during your sleep. Yeah, that's, that's really, um, beautiful. And I wonder like, why every day, you know, does something reset every 24 hours or, you know, why, why do we have to constantly do it, you know, morning, evening? Yeah. Why do you have to brush your teeth every day? That's a good point. (laughs) Do do you want to, do you want to brush your teeth once a month? You see what I'm saying? So, uh, unfortunately we are, I mean, fortunately it is what it is. Um, you would think that, uh, once in the lifetime would be enough, but it just doesn't work this way because we are navigating in a very, very dense three-dimensional reality. And we're constantly coming in contact with people, with objects, with stories, with frequencies. You know, for example, uh, sometimes it's not a person. Sometimes it's, it's a frequency. Like, for example, if you go in a store like Best Buy, where you're bombarded with all sorts of electromagnetic energy, if you see what I mean, um, that could that could interfere with your field, you know. And sometimes, believe it or not, when you watch thing, even on the internet or on television, it's not just the magnetic field that is affecting you, but it's the information itself and itself that has an an energetic impact on your being. So it's not psychological only. It is energetic. Think about that. So I'm watching something creepy on the internet, for example. My brain is not feeling good. It's like, oh, I'm thinking, oh, that's creepy, whatever. But at the same time, that is one thing. That's on a thought level, on a mental level. But at the same time, my energy is still absorbing that the frequency of that information. Think about that. Mm. That's, yeah, it's actually why I don't <laughs> watch a lot of shows. Yeah. Uh, because I do feel like there's a, a connection to the consciousness of whatever we're watching or viewing. And I think that's also why social media has contributed to such a m- major impact on people's mental health and their anxiety. So, 
Um, so what about relationships? I- I've watched a couple of your videos on your kind of viewpoint on relationships. And I think, you know, it's something that is such a ingrained part of our life. You know, why do we have relationships, not just, you know, um, friendships, but also romantic relationships and what sort of purpose do they serve? Well, you know, we're here as social beings, you know, we're because when we feel isolated, we feel lonely, you know, it's part of the human nature to want to connect, but not only connect with others, um, but also to, to, they kind of act as a mirror, um, but also to share. It's, it's kind of a natural tendency for humans to want to share their experience with another person. And so, so having said that, you are going to obviously attract um, other individuals as friends or romantic uh, partners or what have you. But also, um, because it serves that purpose, you are already going to come in with that sort of agreement. In other words, I don't think things are um, coincidental. Like you come in, for example, already knowing that uh, you're going to meet this person. The how and where or what have you is a you know, is, is based on free will and all sorts of things. But the fact that you have a prenatal agreement with that person means that, uh, you have already agreed that at some point you are going to connect, whether it's as friends or partners or family member or relation, romantic relationship for a specific purpose. We seem to forget that, Life is purposeful. You see, like the universe is purposeful. There's not one thing in the universe that does not serve a purpose. Same with intelligent beings. They're not here incarnated to just float around and do nothing, you see? And so, so that's the natural order of things. You come in to serve a certain purpose. And the way you do that most of the time is with other people. And so, so the romantic relationship has perhaps in your case or somebody else's case, the purpose of uh, understanding who you are, because that person that you came with is very similar to you or the exact opposite or is challenging you, is bringing up all your blocks or, you know, so that particular relationship is, has that purpose. Another relationship, that's why, you know, sometimes we want one relationship to to last the entire lifetime. I mean, this is a human belief system. It doesn't have to. It can, uh, and it's okay if it does, or, you know, but it's okay if it doesn't, because every relationship is serving a specific purpose. And maybe the next relationship is for you to produce a, you know, child. And you see what I mean? So it's like everything has a specific purpose. So it helps a lot to think, to put it in that perspective, you know, as opposed to we're just kind of meeting people. We don't know why or how. And, uh, and then, it, and then we think it's, uh, we're flip flame twins and, <laughs> you know, soulmates, uh, forever. And then it turns out that, mm, no, that didn't turn out this way. So then you're confused and did my guidance didn't work or what's going on. And so I think if you just have more of a bird's eye view, 
a larger perspective of why we meet each person and just look at it for what it is, I think we will have much healthier relationships. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, it's so interesting because I think during the pandemic, there was a lot of um, separations and divorces and breakups that happened. And so um, I'm wondering, like, how did the pandemic sort of shift people's energy? And like, what did you sort of see from your perspective? Yeah, a little bit what like what you were saying, because all of a sudden people are no longer busy just uh, jumping in their routine. You know, they just go to work, come back, deal with the wife or the husband or what have you, the kids and go to sleep. And then the next day is the same thing. All of a sudden you're being asked to just stop, stop. <laughs> you know, stay where you are and focus on who you are, how you are feeling and the people around you and they're doing the same. So it's almost like we are facing uh, all of a sudden ourselves and re-examining how do I feel when I can't go to work anymore? How do I feel when, you know, it's like, you do I even care about this job? You know, it's like you, all sorts of stuff starts to come up for you. And if you have a partner, they're doing the same thing. So now it's almost all of your blocks and their blocks, <laughs> you know, are, are coming up at the same time for you to re-examine what kind of life you are leading on your own, all of your habits and your jobs and career and, and the way you're dealing with kids and stuff. And they are doing the same. And all of a sudden you realize like you've just been going, you know, like uh, without even thinking, you're just going with the flow, not really, really noticing that you actually hate the job you've had for the past few years. You actually don't, are very uncomfortable dealing with your kids day in, day out. You actually, you see what I mean? Uh, the, the person with you in that space, it, it actually has a lot of things that trigger you that you're not comfortable with. You see what I mean? So, so that's the reason why I think the pandemic in a very strange way, it was very healing. Right. And it kind of pushed people back on the path that they were supposed to, you know, be on maybe. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You were faced to, you were finally, uh, you had to face yourself. Right. So let's talk a little bit about your film, Superhuman, which I thought was so fascinating. I'd love to, because we have such a mainstream audience from so many different parts of the world, first define what is remote viewing and some of the experiments that you had in the film, like what you learned from those experiment, experiments. Um, so first, you know, what is remote viewing? Yeah, before I get there, if you don't mind, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, working in this field of energy medicine, consciousness, meditation, working with so many people from around the world for years and years and years, I realized that, hey, we were getting real results here, <laughs> you know, like when we did that, those techniques and those protocols, people were healing. 
people were mastering patterns that they've had for years and years and years. People were elevating their consciousness, I mean, in a measurable way, meaning, you know, they were sick with something for 20 years and now they're not, you know, using this methodology. And so, so because of that, it gave me a lot of validation. And I started working with scientists. I thought, wait a minute, is there a way to measure? So we know that the consciousness and the mind has as an effect on the body, on the health, on, you know, on everything else. So is there such a thing as measurability? Like, can we measure that effect and show it? And I'm not the first one. There are many, many experiments done like that. And so I started working with scientists doing these types of things. Remote viewing is one of the experiments. Could I, at a distance, look at somewhere else, another location, and see or sense what's there, even though obviously it's non-local. Um, is that possible? So that's an experiment. Another experiment, and of course it, you can verify it after the fact. Uh, is it possible for me at a distance to, let's say, let's say you're holding a glass of water, could I, with my thought, affect the pH in the water? you know, at a distance. So, so that's also a form of remote viewing, but also remote influencing, meaning I'm influencing a physical, uh, a biological system or a physical object, let's say remotely. So, so we've done under laboratory conditions, all sorts of experiments like that. And we kept getting very measurable results, very astounding results. And for those who are not scientists, you know, I mean, or for those who, who realize, how, I mean, how it works scientifically, you have to create controls, meaning, you know, you, you kind of uh, let the, the measuring device go for a while. And then we do what we call cor time correlation. So exactly, let's say at three o'clock, I'm going to look at this water bottle and see if I can change the pH even though I've measured it for the last three hours and the last few days, and it was stable. And now at three o'clock, if I intend it to be different, does it change? And then when I stop intending, does it return to the control? It's called the baseline. So th those types of experiments we did. And because we were having all these amazing results, I said, wait a minute, this is crazy. We need to be telling the world, you know, this, this is not some crazy concept out there that we're measuring the results of these interactions. And that's how the concept of, uh, of superhuman came about. And we uh, compile, I mean, we basically show live on camera, uh, uh, several of these uh, experiments that people can see in the film. And so, but to, to go back to remote viewing, so remote viewing is, is, um, was actually, um, this, I mean, <laughs> was actually practiced, um, at a government level, you know, in the eighties, uh, the Russians were training soldiers to basically remote view, um, 
basically spying, psychically spying on the U.S., on the United States. So basically they would train them to see if they could locate, uh, for example, missiles or like where the Air Force base was located, like where things were and what was happening and things like that. And uh, so it sounds very far-fetched and crazy for the people who are not, (laughs) you know, into this, but uh, you can research it. So uh the in the 80s the the US government of course found out that that's what was happening and they said wait a minute we need we need to be doing that and so they created a program it's called the star stargate uh project um and that's also you know it's it's historical so people can look it up and so they started training um the soldiers to do the same on the Russian, to spy psychically and to use their psychic, energetic ability to retrieve information. And guess what? They got to be so good that uh, it, it worked. They would have very specific detail that would be eventually verified. And so that program ran for 20 years at a government level. And so... And in fact, some of the, the, the folks who were tra- training the soldiers in, during that time are friends of mine. So I know, you know, we know them, um, it, we know them on a personal level. So, so, and, uh, all of this, all of this information can be verified. So that's what remote viewing is, which is when you think about it, um, if you, you know, it may sound crazy, but actually it's not. Because how is it possible that a mother would all of a sudden have a feeling that her son, who is, you know, in in another country, you know, on the other side of the globe, all of a sudden has an accident or something? How does she have that intuition? How did she receive that information psychically, even though she's not psychic, for, for example? Does that make sense? These types, how do you have a sense that somebody's going to call you, the phone rings and it's them? How do you, you know, there's all sorts of things that we think, we think are coincidences uh, when actually there is a mechanism. And it's the fact that consciousness is non-local, meaning my physical brain, my physical body is local, you know, my brain is inside my body, right? But my consciousness continues on past the body. The fact that people don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. It just means that we don't have instruments to measure it, but it's non-local. So my consciousness can be where you are right now. It could be on the other side of the planet. It could be anywhere if I train myself to do that. And so the more you train yourself, you know, um, I mean, even Einstein was talking about um, a spooky effect at a distance. Are you familiar with that? Do you want to tell our audience what he meant by that phrase? Yeah. So, so actually, these, these has been proven scientifically. Two objects that are remotely located means they're not at close proximity are able to exchange property at a distance. So, for example, they um, they noticed that even on a star level, you know, cosmically, two stars c- can exchange properties without being in the same physical vis- uh, vicinity. And so, 
And so this has been proven scientifically uh, that, uh, and this is called non-locality, you know, but it's also, it has to do with uh, entanglement, meaning the two objects are actually entangled because they're exchanging property in this way. And so, so, so the, these are scientific principles that have been proven, but we're talking about actual particles, like actual physical particles. But think about this. How are these two particles exchanging the energy, you know, the properties? Like, how is one thing transferring (laughs) its property into the other? So there's got to be a medium. There's got to be something that allows it. And so science is, is just taking note of the observable result that, oh, a and B are, are exchanging property, whatever, and A now happens in B. Um, you're, they're noticing the observable result, but the how, you know, it's still, it's still kind of, uh, you know, difficult to, to comprehend. And so this, uh, this uh, principle of entanglement can also apply to, to humans. You know, why is it, if we are, we are particles, right? A bunch of particles as a physical body, physical brain. We're, and we're all exchanging energy in the same way, you see. So, but science is, you know, doesn't go, like as soon as you start talking about intuition or put it in that, you know, looking at, looking at it from that perspective, um, they have a hard time um, kind of going there. But it happens all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. So we, this cause and effect universe, which I think is something we have like grown up believing um, and kind of socializing, there's so much more. And I think the non-local consciousness piece is something a lot of people are still, uh, from a mainstream perspective, they don't quite understand. Right. Um, And I think that I'm, you know, loving the, the movie that you created. I think there's a lot of people now who are like, scientifically proving that this actually does exist and it is real. Um, So I'm really grateful that you're creating uh, these films um, to share these stories. And Carolyn, can you talk a little bit about telekinesis? Maybe we can define that and also just how we're all connected on this, uh, this consciousness level. Yeah. So telekinesis is the ability to move a physical object without physical contact. So, you know, if I have, I don't know, a piece of paper or a pen or something uh, that is remotely located, it could be on my desk too, but I'm not touching it, let's say. So with my mind, with my consciousness, I can intend, I can say, I want to move this pen or this object, and it does. So again, we've done many experiments this way, and uh, this has been, again, demonstrated many times. We show that in a film. So when it is, let's say, sitting on uh, near you, I mean, kind of on your desk, let's say, a couple of feet away, people can blame it on uh, the electromagnetic field, you know, my energy field interacting with its field and things like that. So we went from there to, you know, covering it with a Faraday cage. Faraday cage basically isolates the object. So there is no 
air molecules or barely. There is no heat. Heat can be uh, controlled. And, uh, and there is no electromagnetism whatsoever that can penetrate this Faraday cage. So now when you are making this object move with your mind and that object is inside a Faraday cage in total isolation, well, you can't blame it on electromagnetism. You can't say it's my energy that moved, you know, whatever, the air molecules around it and it moved. And so there's no excuse. Plus, we've done that even remotely, which is extremely difficult, meaning uh, I am trying to move an object that is in a Faraday, inside the Faraday cage at a distance, we're talking several hundred feet, um, miles away in a different state. So that's extremely difficult. And, but that the idea was to rule out that there's any sort of electromagnetic interaction between me and the object. And when we are able to do that over and over and over, then you start to think, wait a minute, well, if it's not electromagnetism, if it's not heat, if it's not this, if it's not that, then what is it? <laughs> and the idea is that consciousness is entangled with everything. Here we are again. My physical brain is contained within my physical body, but my consciousness is endless, is infinite. So if you train yourself to... Um, target or like to direct your consciousness towards an object at a distance, a person at a distance or what have you, you can transfer specific energy and make that happen. And you can measure the effect. And that's exactly what we did in the film. So, um, yeah, I mean, so, so when you think about it that way, how can you not think that, um, the energy of other people, you know, uh, there's a, a war happening now in Russia and Ukraine and China's doing this and Iraq's doing that and the U.S. is, whatever it is, all of this information, all of these people are producing and projecting energy, right, and information in a collective field. So we're all existing in this pool of energy. We're in it. So that's why people who are sensitive, for example, I, I can feel an earthquake that happens in, in Japan and I'm not in Japan. I'm, I'm on, in, you know, on the West coast of, you know, um, the United States right now. And so how does that happen? How does that work? And so, and that is all due to the fact that consciousness is limitless, infinite, and it is entangled with everything else. So the idea is, wait a minute, does that mean like, oh my God, you know, I have to feel everything? And yes, you do. So the faster you recognize this as a real principle and not think about it as, oh, it's woo-woo stuff, it's crazy. No, there's real evidence for that. Uh, the more you learn, again, going back to the energetic hygiene, in the morning, you're asking to only remain aligned 
with a specific energy, specific frequency, which is the source. You're not interested in what's happening, you know, the neighbors and blah, 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 you know, like what happened on the internet about this and that. You're not interested because it's distracting. It doesn't serve your higher purpose. So when you train yourself every day, just like you brush your teeth, to remind yourself, okay, my brain, my energy field, I just want you to remain connected to this pure, pure, pure divine essence. Just bring me that energy. Just allow this energy to come through me, to speak through me, to be me. Then you start to attract those things that are, because you're entangled, right? So your entanglement becomes more specific. And you start to attract people who did the same thing. They're only interested in the highest good, the highest good for themselves and for others. And that's how you can navigate and, and master, if you will, this ability and survive this. I love that so much. And uh, validation, that's how we got connected. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, uh, Caroline, why do you think that we are here on this earth? I mean, is there such a thing as karma? I mean, what's your kind of belief or perspective on that? Yeah, the, the karma is a very long conversation, but uh, I can tell you briefly, uh, you come in, as I mentioned earlier, it's not random, okay? So you come in purposely, you decide, you, you know, you're, you say, I'm going to go down to earth and do this and that, and, and I'm going to do it this way. So let's say uh, I'm going to meet Caroline at a certain time uh, when, I'm, when I'm interested in that subject, because so let's, let's face it, if we met when you're in high school and you're focusing on something else and, you know, like this wouldn't have happened. So you meet and you attract according to what is needed, according to your prenatal agreement. And so what happens is that you come down here and you say, I'm going to pick, I'm going to be part of this family. I'm going to be born here. I'm going to do that. I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to meet, I'm going to do this job, whatever, and so on and so forth. But what happens when you're down here, It you still have free will. In other words, let's say you and I met, but you still have the free will to invite me into your life or to say, you know, this person is very interesting, but I'm not going to pay attention. You see what I mean? So you still have the free will. So that's why it's a very, very confusing subject because some things have to happen. Like you, we had to meet, let's say it's not a coincidence, but what we end up doing together and, and uh, creating together, that's still subject to free will. So, so what happens is that also, if you came down here to, let's say, help the planet, you know, help the planet uh, become healthy again or something like that. And then you end up meeting some people and you're off track. Uh, let's say some people start to, they have some sort of crisis. And instead of dealing with the crisis in a proper way, they get into alcohol and drugs, for example. And so what happens that weakens their ability for judgment and so on and so forth. And then the addiction kicks in. So before you know it, they lost 20 years of their life 
and now it's hard to come back. And now they're 60 years old. And then they start to realize like, wait a minute, I didn't do anything I was supposed to do. (laughs) You know, the people I was supposed to meet, I did meet them. I didn't give them the time of day. You know what I mean? So so uh, so then you want to backtrack and whatever you said you're going to accomplish in 60 years, you, maybe you accomplished 10% and the rest, you didn't do anything. So when you pass, well, when you transition, the, the rest of the 90% that you didn't finish, you have to come and finish, you see? And it's it's not a force. People in certain cultures, people think karma is like a punishment, you know, because somebody did this to you in a past life, you come back and you did to them or vice versa. That's not how I see it. It's more, to me, karma is what you said you came to master and to do to elevate your consciousness and the collective consciousness and the consciousness of the planet herself, you didn't do. And so it's almost like it's leftover. It's it's like you have all this food in the fridge that you have to do something with. You see what I mean? Like you exit with a lot of this baggage that needs to be disposed of. And the only way to dispose of it is to come back because you have to you have to come back in um in the same form. You know, you can't go back to to becoming on another planet if you still if you have all this baggage, let's say that has not been cleared. And so you keep doing that until you come to the final lifetime is basically that there's nothing left, that you have come and have done everything you said you're supposed to do. And after that, you graduate. You can graduate, meaning you can move on to another planet incarnate there or you know incarnate somewhere else um and do and move on so so that's kind of the way karma i mean it's a little bit more complicated and the way and also you can come in and finish your karma in different ways and have parallel aspects i mean i'm not going to get into those technical details i have a whole course on that but um but basically that's how it works and so the idea is the faster we um, we realize that we have come here for an important purpose and to figure out what this purpose is and to just do this purpose, the faster we can master this condition, it'll be easier. And then you kind of complete the, the incarnation cycle. I love that. So that's kind of how it works. And you always, always come here for an individual purpose and a collective purpose. So because, as we said earlier, you are part of this larger pool of information, the collective consciousness. So whatever you do, whatever you're saying, whatever you're projecting is in that pool. So if you are allowing your consciousness and you are projecting these vibrations, then through entanglement, you are affecting the collective pool and vice versa. You see what I mean? So if... So your your incarnation is affecting the collective as well. So fascinating. And can you tell uh, just by kind of tapping into someone if they are on their life plan and purpose or like, do you kind of, uh, would that take like a longer time for you to, to kind of unravel? 
No, it's I can, that's what, kind of what I do. I mean, the, my main work, that's what I've been doing the past 20 years, is helping people remember their original essence. Like I said, the source in them, with them, within them. And when you do that, it also shows the purpose. Okay, so that's your original you. So what did you come to do and where are you on that path? And so, and, and so the, the faster, you know, that helps a lot because a lot of people are very confused. Why am I in this relationship? Doesn't make any sense. Why can't I leave this person? Why is this person keep showing up or whatever? Why am I still stuck at this job? You know, that's misaligned. What you see what I mean? So, so it's very confusing, but when you go back and put that in perspective of your higher purpose, it brings so much clarity. It makes so much more sense. And you start to see where you're going and you start to shed very quickly the stuff that doesn't make sense. You see what I mean? So, so that's exactly the, the purpose of, of my work, um, to basically help people remember who they really are, what they have come to do. I love that. That's amazing. So, uh, Caroline, I know that we're almost at time, but I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your film, A Tear in the Sky. Why did you make a film about UFOs and what did you learn? Yeah, that was interesting because originally I was going to uh, make the sequel of Superhuman because it was quite successful and people were benefiting from it. And again, speaking of guidance, I had this guidance saying, no, 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 make a movie on UFOs. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I've had my own experiences, but that wasn't really my my focus in that way. And so, uh, but it was very, very strong. And so I, I ended, I said, okay, but my signature, you know, my style is to bring credibility uh, and to bring validation. So I decided to do a scientific investigation in the subject. And um, uh, long story short, it had never been done before. We did it at a massive scale. Um, as a filmmaker, you know, you research, you see who else has done the subject in this way. And I was shocked that there was no one had done it from this perspective in this way and recorded actual data the way we had and so with all the government saying, you know, we don't have data, we don't know what this is, is it us, is it extraterrestrial presence, what have you, very, very confusing, you know, information, I, I feel like we've basically validated the subject and proven its existence, uh, you know, through this film, which was huge. Now, to me... Uh, one of the things that we captured in the film was some sort of, um, and people who are interested in the subject, we captured objects that a lot more than what you see on YouTube, you know, very, very special things. But at the end, we captured what we think may be a wormhole. And so, of course, I'm working with hardcore scientists, so they're not going to just look at this and jump to the conclusion like, yay, you know, it's a warm-up. So, you know, we go through a very rigorous process to figure out maybe it's this or maybe it's that. We basically try to debunk ourselves. Um, and to this day, all the scientists that have looked at it, and we're talking a few hundred by now, 
not one can uh, give us a plausible explanation to this thing that we captured in the in the movie, which is basically an opening and closing and revealing actual object, like physical objects coming out of it. And so, so, so that was the real purpose of the film. The of coming, I mean, same. Of course, many purposes, like I said, to validate the subject itself, make it more stream. But the fact that we've basically recorded on camera this anomaly, that is really aligned with my larger purpose, which is to, it's not so much the UFO itself, it's more, wait a minute, how is it possible that you see something in the sky it, it appears and disappears. How do you see something in the sky that registers cold? How is it flying without any propulsion system? You see, how is it possible it's dropping, you know, at 80,000 miles an hour? Um, you, you see what I mean? So it's more, the, the, how is it possible that something opens and closes in the sky, you know? And so, so that, it's the mechanics of the universe that interests me. And I feel... Tear in the Sky, this film, is really uh, the first to, to tap into that possibility that we, what we think is real, what we think the laws of physics are, uh, aren't. <laughs> you know, there's so much more, and here's the evidence. So it's it's turned out to be a huge and very important thing to this day after the films come out. Like I said, um, we don't have any explanation to this uh, wormhole thing. Um, and and uh, I think this is the beginning of uh, major, major discoveries. And if we are talking now about worm the structure of space-time, then, and we are entangled, <laughs> speaking of entanglement, you know, everything is entangled, then, you know, w w it's basically changing uh, our uh, our concept of what reality is, you know, and how things are operating. And of course, our other civilizations coming here, visiting us, communicating with us, and so on and so forth. So it's it's really turned out to be a fascinating project. Oh, so amazing, uh, Caroline, because I think we're only at the beginning of this topic and there's just so much, I think humanity is maybe not ready <laughs> for what's what's coming. Um, so I'm so grateful that you have created this film um, and especially, you know, the, it's remarkable that you captured a wormhole. That's really, really fascinating. <laughs> so Caroline, we are coming towards the end of uh, our conversation, but I'd love to know, you know, looking back on your career, you have an experiential aspect to this work, right? Like, so you know it, you have a primordial wisdom, you you have a, you know, subtle energy uh, understanding, and then you also have like this intellectual, uh, analytical research-based methodology with, with all the f films that you've done. So I just love to know, like, what sort of things have surprised you the most since you've been on this journey? I think what's the, the, the surprises me, keeps surprising me is, um, how how much humanity is stuck <laughs> and that's kind of the sad part it's almost like we see bursts of evolution with all the information that's being provided you know and then uh, the gap between uh the truth and where 
a lot of most of humanity is. So it keeps surprising me, like, really, are we still there? <laughs> like, really, are we still going to war? You know, are, you know, it's like some of the things that are manifesting uh, seem to be so, <laughs> you know, going in the other direction that th that is kind of surprising. But having said that, I try to have this bird's eye view and look at it from a much bigger, you know, the infinite potential space. And, uh, you know, it makes, brings me a little bit of hope that way, you know, like I can see, uh, where it could be in 50 years or a hundred years or, but that's kind of what keeps kind of the things that are so obvious are still not wanting to be accepted. So, so that's kind of, um, you know, what keeps surprising me. <laughs> Right. What about uh, your main takeaway? Like, what would be your kind of call to action for people listening? Like, humanity's stuck, and what do you want us to do? I think that um, people should stop saying that they're stuck or that focusing on the problem because that does not do anything. It doesn't serve any purpose, and that's exactly what I do in my work in my films. I don't need to be telling people over and over that the government's lying and hiding and, you know, I can show what, what can I do to bring, to, to focus on the solution and bring a solution. And so that's the first thing is to not worry about what is and just focus on what you want. And the tools are there. I mean, just me personally, and I'm not the only one, but I have hundreds of hours of, you know, meditation and sessions free of charge. You know, people can have, there are very powerful tools that people can use right now to start shifting and to also remember the change begins with you. You cannot expect the solution to come from someone else, from an organization outside yourself. You have to change. You have to get to a place of feeling centered and calm and whole and complete and happy in order to attract to you and to others around you that same um, result. And so, so that's what I want people to remember, to become empowered that the tools are available and it's really, really, this is like, don't waste time. Don't waste time. Don't wait till you're 60 years old or 70 or whatever. You look back and you, you think, oh my God, I didn't do, I didn't fulfill my higher purpose. Ask that question right now and begin the shift right now. I love that. And uh, Caroline, do we have multiple higher purposes um, in a lifetime or is there just one? Well, I mean, there's one main one, you know, so it is, so it's, when I say purposes, it's not a job. It's not like I'm going to be, I'm going to write books for the rest of my, it's not one thing. It's, it's more, it's one main thing. I am here to evolve humanity's consciousness. And within that, uh, at some point, maybe I'm going to write a book. And another point, uh, another time, maybe I'm going to work with animals. And at another time in my life, I'm going to work with nature. And you see what I mean? Like, so it's smaller purposes that serve that are aligned with the bigger purpose. Mm, beautiful. 
Amazing. And so where can people find you, Caroline? So the best way is to, for consciousness work and all these, this information, they can go to carolinecorey.com, C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E-C-O-R-Y.com. And then for the film Superhuman, they can go to superhumanfilm.com. And for A Tear in the Sky, it's a tear in the sky.com. And they can find these films on other platforms as well, you know, Amazon and iTunes and uh, things like that. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for your time. This is so interesting. And uh, for those of you who have not checked out Caroline's work, she's got an incredible amount of videos, tutorials, and her courses are fantastic. So please check it out. I've learned a lot myself uh, going down the rabbit hole. And uh, for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about consciousness and superhuman and a tear in the sky with Carolyn Corey. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.